welcome to the Intuitively Wild podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Levine. Living Intuitively Wild is about coming back home to ourselves. Here, we talk about how to live connected to ourselves, others, and nature, and make a commitment to radical authenticity, vulnerability, and acceptance. On this podcast, we delve into a wide range of topics that span the human experience. We peel back the layers and talk about the things that are often not talked about. This is a space for us all to walk and wander this path of life together. Let's dig into our roots and go deep. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to this week's podcast. I am so excited to introduce our guest for today. Our guest today is Erin Tobias. She's a marketer who strongly believes in conscious marketing. She's a keen observer of human connection and has represented many of the most influential companies in our world today. Her endless curiosity has led her to work on paid and organic media campaigns from everything from trash collecting companies to fast food giants, brands such as P&G, McDonald's, and the Cheese Fact Cheesecake Factory have trusted her to plan and purchase their iconic media efforts. From this experience, she's built a unique offering at Social Interaction where she can pass on these high-ticket learnings to service-based businesses of all sizes. We go into many different topics in this conversation. We talk about being a projector in human design. We talk about journalism and nurturing talent. We talk about how ambition and intuition go hand in hand. We talk about connecting to the heart to direct our business and listening to our business's needs, not just our own, and so much more. And possibly my favorite conversation from this podcast episode is how to share our own intuitive messages on social media, how to interact with social media from an intuitive led place to be intentional and conscious and present with our marketing, with our social media use. I think it's a very important conversation in the world today and I am excited to share what we talked about. So let's get into the episode. Okay, Erin, I'm so excited to have you here. What is one thing you wish people knew about you? That is a very deep question, Rachel. We go right, we go right in. You may be in an area where you feel misunderstood or just a part of you that people don't often recognize or see. I mean, especially being a projector, having <laughs> acknowledgement and recognition is so important for you, but often not everyone sees it as clearly. I love to sit back and observe. And it's my strongest quality is my power of observation. And growing up as a kid, I spent a lot of time observing. And I think that it can often be misunderstood as something that is a negative. So shyness, um, being an outlier, kind of sometimes marching to the beat of your own drum those things can not always be positive or viewed as positive in our society. And so I think a lot of times I felt the need to explain myself and why I was doing certain behaviors. Um, but really innately, my core 
at my core, I'm a, I am an observer. And so actually knowing my human design really helped me to have a lot of peace with that. Um, because it helped me to understand my own process. And I was never someone who tried to change myself growing up. I was never someone who tried to fit a mold. I just kind of was who I was. <laughs> and it wasn't in like an abrasive way, but I just knew that the only way, the only person I could be was me. So if I felt like I didn't want to be the life of the party, like I didn't have to be that. Um, but I enjoyed being around people who were, <laughs> and that was always fun for me. So I think sometimes, um, that definitely was either misunderstood as like not having fun or not enjoying myself or what, or being too serious. But now in my adulthood and entrepreneurship, I love the fact that I've built a career around observing people and their behaviors and understanding human connection and how to make a quick, valuable connection with someone. And that's really the core foundation of what we try to do as marketers. And so I've designed my process when I work with small business owners to basically cut to the chase and very quickly get to this valuable point of human connection and understand how we can make the most impact with their messaging. And part of that is also to understand what they are here to say with their business to the world. And that can also be something that's a challenge that I help business owners through. So you had asked me before we started the recording, one, how I incorporate or why I ask people's human design before I bring them on the podcast. And this is honestly one reason because I can see in your human design so much that speaks to what you were just talking about. I mean, being a projector, projectors often have a time, have a hard time recognizing things about themselves. Like they see so clearly into others, but they can't always see themselves as clearly. So it's interesting that you had to take a pause and, and think about that question and your triple split definition, which something that is involved in that is it takes time for you to process things mm -hmm. and for, for you to digest things. Uh, and projectors are people who are keen observers and often need to uh, observe and absorb energy versus like putting their energy always out there. So really speaks yeah. to a lot of what you were just talking about. But I relate also in a lot of ways of being someone who liked to observe. And I don't see that. I don't see myself as a shy or quiet person. But that is just that's something that's a way that I take in the world. And society does often tell us that that's not okay. And that that's not how we should be. And if we're not the life of the party, then there's something wrong with us. But it's it's not true. Yeah, it's really interesting. As I started to understand my human design, it really brought me a lot of peace. Mm -hmm. And I hear for a lot of people, once they understand their human design, it does bring peace oftentimes and also helped, helps you to key into the areas where you're strongest and forgive the ones that you're weak in. 
Exactly. And to recognize it not as a weakness, but as just a part of who we are and to appreciate what's weak in you as and that and that's strong in another to appreciate our differences. And for me, it's I'm always like, I see how the puzzle pieces fit together. I'm strong in one area and someone else is weak in that area. And I'm weak in one area and someone else is strong in that area. And that's then we come together and it it's how the universe makes it all work. You know what I mean? Totally. And that's what we're here to do. Yeah. <laughs> we're here yeah. to work together. And no yeah. one person can accomplish anything on their own. You you always need <laughs> we always need multiple people kind of helping to drive an idea forward. Yeah. And if we're all trying to be one thing, then the puzzle pieces can't fit together. So what brought you to marketing in the first place? What made you interested in that line of work? Take us through your journey a bit. Yeah. So I love writing. It's my number one starting point for pretty much everything I do. I think as a projector, again, just going back to that human design, um, having that time for reflection is really important to me. And that's something that I've always had as part of my life. Um, Knowing that I loved journalism growing up, I loved being able to hear other people's stories and understand how they got to where they are in life and see the value that they bring to the world. And I loved being able to take time to hear those stories and then write them and share them out. So growing up, I spent a lot of energy, way too much time, actually not too much time, but honestly, I was such a nerd about it. I loved, loved journalism. I was always, we had a beautiful um, newspaper program in my school where we had our own wing, where we basically had our desk and our computer, and we had just such a beautiful, expansive place to create. And that was like my little haven. So I would go in there and write. And sometimes I'd be honestly at school until like 10 at night, just doing that. From there, knowing that what I wanted, what I wanted to do was write people's stories. um, I kind of took a windy path to get back to that first love. So my first career out of college was actually in public relations. And within that job, I actually was not doing what I would want to do. I wasn't telling people stories, which is kind of shocking because in public relations, you would think that would be my number one job. But actually, I was hosting events and I was hosting events for um, dignitaries and um, some pretty high profile people. I got to help out um, with the Nobel Summit I got to do all of these amazing things, meet all these people, and be in the room with celebrities. And that was really neat because what I came back to from that situation is that no matter how high up you are in the government, no matter how big of a celebrity you are, you are still a human. You still need your human needs to be taken care of. You still have your moments of feeling insecure. And my role in the event prep and planning was often to help make these celebrities, these high-profile people feel secure, 
by providing a place where they could be greeted and just kind of setting the tone for the experience that they were going to have that day. And so many of my coworkers were very starstruck and super excited about getting to meet who we got to meet. But for me, it was more so just realizing that we're all human. And I actually didn't feel starstruck at all. I just felt very calm. And I loved that role of just knowing that they're not going to remember me. (laughs) I'm insignificant in this situation, but I'm getting to play the role of making them feel comfortable so that they can go out and do the things that they need to do in this certain event. They They can speak, they can interface with their peers. And so that idea of nurturing talent was something I found I really enjoyed. From that stage, I went into advertising. I was able to get a job at Starcom Media Vest Group, which at the time was the largest spending advertising holding company in the United States. And so the quality of the clients I got to work with was was huge. I started off on Procter & Gamble, which was really fun. And I was able to really learn advertising from the company that kind of sets the standard for all the other companies. If you know Procter & Gamble, they're often making statements about the quality of our advertising. They're often very interested in making a human connection with their products. So they kind of transcend this model of like, I have a problem, I need to solve it. So from that job, I learned so much about making that human connection and how a product can just be a catalyst for change and for a larger platform and how important it is to build your brand around something more than selling the thing that you're selling. Sometimes people can demonize marketing And the way you see it is so beautiful. And it just shows that this is what you're meant to do because you see it from a holistic viewpoint of nurturing talent and being really authentic and getting the message out there and not just selling a product, but selling an experience, selling a person, selling the service of it and heart of it. I resonated with what you were saying when you mentioned not feeling starstruck by celebrities and just wanting to support them and what they needed to do. I've always had this mindset of if I could meet a celebrity, it wouldn't be that exciting because they're not, like you just said, they're not going to remember me. I would either want to be best friends with them or just like go about my day, you know, like (laughs) otherwise it's like, okay, I'm one of a million fans that is going to fawn over them. And that I don't have any desire to do that. And I think that speaks to pulling out the talent and focusing on their impact and how you can help them bring that out more. I think that's how we should look at celebrities in general. I love that that way of thinking about marketing. Yeah, it came. it's something that just kind of came to me naturally as I'm kind of explaining my life story here. <laughs> but I do love specifically working with service-based businesses because honestly, it's the closest you can get to supporting the whole human that is behind the business. And so I've been able to build kind of a business around that at this current moment. Um, I left agency work after being in agencies for 12 years. I found the pace to be honestly difficult. 
for me to keep up with, if I'm being extremely honest. <laughs> and I'm a projector. And at some point, you can only operate out of burnout for so long. And I also realized that I was not living fully in my purpose. And I felt, again, a deep desire to go back to this idea of how can we tell stories? How can we provide value? And one of the things that I kind of fell in love with after exiting from corporate advertising was how powerful social media social media actually could be. And it's another place where it can be really icky and dark on social. And there are some things that are questionable in terms of what it does to your brain and the impacts that it can that it can potentially have. But it's a tool like anything else in our world. And everything has a light and a dark side. And so I love working on social. And I kind of developed a love for it after really not enjoying it. I'm not someone who would take naturally to posting on my own social accounts. In fact, I wish that they didn't. I kind of wish that social media didn't even exist at all, if I'm being very honest. But if it's here, then we might as well use it for a good purpose. And I love that it's a free way for businesses to connect to their audiences. It's a free way for us to learn. And when used correctly and from a high vibe place, there's so much value and there's so much good and inspiration that we can provide to one another. And so that's really my passion now is helping businesses to use this free tool in a way that makes sense for them. And also not only in a way that's effectively bringing in the quality of the people that they want to work with, but also in a way that is good for their nervous system. So many business owners that I know have told me that they completely got off social media because they felt so burnt out or they just are reposting old content that they don't even think vibes with their current offerings because they just feel so burnt out from the way that they've been taught to operate on the platform. And so my approach has definitely been to build in tools that we can use to ground ourselves, build in practices that really focus on fostering and reigniting really the creativity that we all have to share and leaning into areas where we might already feel naturally comfortable and starting using that as a starting point to share your platform, your offerings, your areas of genius and expertise. And from that approach, once you start to kind of like heal this wound of negativity that we might have with social media and our relationship, then what happens is we start to really blossom and find such a more healthy way of being and realize that we can exist on this platform. We can exist on these platforms and not have to burn ourselves out to get kind of like the, make the impact and also get the audience interaction that we're wanting. 
Yeah, I think something that we definitely have in common is our passion in helping people embrace who they uniquely are and working with the individual person to, in your case, help them strategize and market and figure out what works for them and not being like, this is how you do it and go ahead and do it. And you must post 90 pieces of content a week and you better be posting like 25 stories a day. Like there's none of that when I'm talking with clients because it's simply too much. No one person can keep up with that. And I would also argue no person wants to consume that. It, it is a lot. It's a lot. Something I wanted to circle back to though is you said that you realized you weren't fully living your purpose. What allowed you to have that realization? How did you know you weren't living fully in your purpose? Well, I was exhausted for number one, and I wanted to find why I was so exhausted. I was getting a lot of accolades at work. I was working with the most exciting brands. This should be a life that is fulfilling. And so I sought out to understand, well, why am I not happy and feeling whole in this role? Why am I not able to show up in the ways I want to show up at home for my loved ones? And how can I get closer to a life that feels happy, whole, and productive? And also, how can I rediscover the areas of me that were so creative as a child? So knowing that I had strayed a little bit too far from expressing myself. I mean, there's zero self-expression in the work that I was doing. And in my after-hour work, I was not writing. I was not creating. I wasn't consuming a lot of books. I was just there on behalf of my clients, working many hours a day. And I needed to find a way that I could support my clients and the role that they were expecting me to perform. But also if there were ways that I could be performing different tasks that would help me to light up and shine in the ways that I used to when I was doing like writing as a little kid. So that kind of that question really sparked me to wonder what else was out there. It is often our burnout, our exhaustion, our sicknesses, our something, some sort of, I don't want to say rock bottom because I don't, I don't know if that was your experience, but some sort of block that we're hitting this wall that we keep coming up against that urges us to question what we're doing. And it's scary to to take that responsibility and be like, what what is wrong here? What like how can I what am what am I doing that's not serving me? That can be really scary and it often causes us to shift and transition our whole life, as I think both of us did. And for me, exhaustion and lack of self-expression, creativity was a big part of my story as well. And again, I have to bring it back to your human design because your throat center is connected to your G center, which is all about identity and self sense of direction. So you're supposed to talk about who you are. You're supposed to use who you are as your guide when you voice your thoughts. And it sounds like that was really stunted within you. 
And it's so powerful for you now to use that sense of identity and self-direction to help guide others to do the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I healed that wound in myself, right? And so what we heal in ourselves is usually what we know how to help others heal in in their own selves too. So it's really fun to be able to do that. It's really beautiful. Um, And I also love that I've been able to kind of bring in more of a spiritual presence too. So definitely I'm always making sure that I'm working in the highest good of someone's potential. And within that, I usually have, you know, some intuitive hits in terms of what might be something they're lacking or craving. And so I love that I can incorporate, incorporate things like meditation. I can guide my clients through meditations. Um, I can bring that work in when in a corporate setting, I mean, that's, you might go to a yoga class, you might have like a corporate meditation class, but you're not sitting there like saying a prayer before you're about ready to go into a planning session. (laughs) Like that just doesn't happen. And I love that I'm able to work with clients now who want to take an approach that's not only led by themselves, but also driven by a desire to fulfill their purpose here on earth. And I don't always think that your job is your purpose, but if you're building a career around something, um, very oftentimes there's some sort of purpose in there. Um, And so I love being able to work with people, especially when they come to me and they're like, Aaron, I have this feeling that I'm just supposed to do this. And I just love that I'm able to help them create and physically build the thing that they feel like they're supposed to be doing, whether it's a workshop, whether it's a, a book, I have one client who's been working on her book for a few years, and that's been really fun to help her figure out. Um, But even so, as far as like an email sequence, there's a lot of intention that can be put into that email sequence. If we stop and think about it and really understand the real blocks that people are coming up against and how can we help them, even if they don't convert, let's just try and help them to get through what they're currently facing and then think about the conversion down the line once they have like a little bit of a feeling of what it is like maybe to work with us or heal something that that maybe they need to heal before they even start on their journey. Those who know me know that living with intention is the most important thing to me, along with listening to your intuition. And I think that if we're able to live with intention, that brings in the intuition piece. And it's not only in one area of our life, it's every area of our life. It's We don't just live with intention when we're doing our spiritual practices. It's also when we're at work. It's also when we're marketing. It's when we're, t- you know, it's it bleeds into every area of our lives, or at least it should. And it reminds us that everything in our life is spiritual. Everything in our lives can be sacred and intentional if we have that desire, if we allow it to be. And so I I think that you are creating the space for people to remember that by having, by leading with your intuition with your clients in this space where it's not often brought in, you are 
drawing out the intuition within the people you work with. And it's this beautiful connection of working together in that way, which I think is so rare in the marketing industry. There's a lot. Sometimes you have to burst through even before you can get on camera or before you can share your poems or share the music that you've written and recorded. Or there's also a lot of people who can go ahead and just like share this beautiful song. But if they were to get in front of the camera and talk, they're like, no, I can't do that. The way I express myself is through music. I'm yeah. not I'm not the camera person. <laughs> it's actually so interesting that you say that because now that I think of it, marketing myself has been one of the most healing and spiritual practices I've ever done because it's brought up all my sh- all my shadow, all my shame, all my blocks, all my stuff because it ha- it is so hard for me. It's not natural to me. It's something that I've shut down and pushed away for so long. And when you view it that way, you can see how having your own business and marketing, if you allow it to be, can be one of the most spiritual practices you ever do. One of the most healing and enlightening and self-giving, self-growth giving practices that you, that you ever do. I think it also requires you as well to honor the unique personality of your business too, because if you listen close enough, your business is going to have its own needs, desires, and wants. And it's going to tell you exactly what those are. Mm. But oftentimes we get so caught up in ourselves in our own needs and desires that sometimes we're not listening close enough to what that business is needing. And there's many ways it can scream at us. (laughs) But it's also, it's kind of like our own intuitions as well, right? Like whenever we know, oh, I'm just, you know, this this job's not right for me or I'm meant, for some reason, I'm meant to travel to this specific location. I just have this feeling that I'm supposed to travel there. And if we don't listen to that, at some point, it's going to slap us in the face. At some point, it's going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so burnt out and I so need this trip and I should have scheduled it months ago, <laughs> but now I'm finally scheduling it. It's it's going to get to that point. So my goal with my clients as well is not only to heal the things that they are going up against, but also teach them to listen and honor their business and do the, do what it's asking them to do. And once that happens, I mean, it's amazing how, how, how effortlessly it starts to feel. So a lot of my clients will say, I'm working less, but I'm making more. And that's usually not a promise that I make to them, but they get better and better at listening to what their business wants and knowing how to talk about their business and also honoring their own energy. So then they figure out, okay, my strategy for posting this week is, is going to be this because my energy is at this level. And so they're able to kind of operate in a much more easeful fashion as a byproduct to kind of balancing what their own intuition is saying and also what their business is saying to them. That. Yeah, I've definitely had that experience in my own business as well. I'm curious, how do you 
listen to your intuition? How do you incorporate that into your sessions? Tell us a little bit about your sessions. Yeah. So I always tell you, I love to take care of myself first. So that is like the main promise that I make to my clients. I'm not going to be showing up, mucking up the energies of their business. My goal is just to enhance the positivity and the success that is already going on and to build more of that where, where possible. So I have to really be mindful of my own energy, my own limitations, which we have talked about as a projector. I can get a lot done in a short amount of time, but for me to work long, long hours is not sustainable. So that's one of the things I did learn from running my human design chart. And, and also that helped me to understand kind of like, how do I need to structure my days? How do I need to structure my life? So when I'm working with, so on my own self, I'm meditating every day. I'm taking a lot of breaks. I'm making sure I'm doing the basic things I need to do to keep my energy up. I'm feeding myself, (laughs) you know, all these things that I know that I can, you know, work till late hours of night and not, and forget to feed myself if I'm in a flow. So I have to consciously always stay on top of that because I will feel it the next day and I won't be able to perform in the way I want to perform. So that's where it starts. So when my body is working well, when I've been hitting my workouts, when I've been eating right, I mean, that's the best case scenario, right? And that's what we strive for. And that's when my intuition just starts humming. I have learned to listen to that small voice. And I play this game with myself, which is I try not to hear it more than three times. And one of the things that I'm working on is making intuitive, intuitively led decisions quicker. So this year I've been pretty good about listening to what I hear in my meditations. Um, what I, I always am sitting there. Like when I meditate, I like, I connect to my heart and then I also connect to God. And I ask him, okay, what do you want? What is the assignment today? So that's kind of where I start. But then no matter the assignment, there's always those little things that pop up throughout the day, right? So I, the way I view my day is like I have this big assignment. And then I have these little intuitive pings that are come up, going to come up that might not even be related to that. And on top of that, I'm also balancing my, my work. And... I know it seems like a lot, but it actually works together really well when you start to listen to those little tiny pings. So the little tiny pings that happen can really help you succeed on your to-do list and make things flow so much easier. And I mean, sometimes they tell you to take something off your to-do list, which is nice and move it to a different day. But getting better and better at listening to those little tiny whispers is so powerful because then you start to remove doubt and question. And that's what allows you to move forward quickly. Especially when you are in your in your zone, in your flow, especially when you're working in your own business or in also many different businesses. You need to move at a certain pace in order to get done what you need to get done. And so... 
hearing that little tiny voice and amplifying it and going with it and not having doubt and not spending weeks or months wondering if this is the right thing to do has been so helpful. And that's honestly how I've been honoring my intuition. It's been amazing how loudly it can speak and how quickly it can turn on if you just take a minute to kind of understand what it sounds like. That this is really interesting because if you were a client coming to me uh, and we were working on how like connecting to your intuition and strengthening that, my advice for you would be to take your time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and this is not me saying that this is, I'm just, I'm just sharing. I'm just sharing. Some no, thoughts. I love this. This has to do with your triple split definition, like I was saying, but also your emotional authority and an emotional authority isn't meant to wait for clarity and to just make sure that they have felt through the decision in all phases of their emotional wave because emotional authorities can often feel really excited about something in one moment, but then their emotions shift over time and then they feel differently. So they want you want to make sure that you feel the same about a decision consistently. And that can just be a day, however long everyone's works differently. And you can see that as you, you know, you go deeper, but I'm curious what, what that, what that brings up for you when I say that to you. No, actually it's great. So I think there's varying levels of decision-making. So larger decisions, I think I'll wait like longer, right. But also the day-to-day -day work that we need to do, I'm just trying to be a little bit more mindful and decisive about it, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think that there is a difference between it. It's called waiting for clarity. So once you have clarity, mm -hmm. then you take the action. So you don't, you don't want to, you want to make sure you're not letting your thoughts and fears and anxieties get in the way yeah. you want to stay in that, in that clarity zone. So, so much of it comes down to knowing yourself and how how your emotional wave works, honestly. Um, There's totally a difference between having clarity and not having clarity. Mm -hmm. That's that's probably the key distinction, Rachel. And I think you're really hitting on that so well because there are a lot of fears and anxieties that can pop up that keep us from doing that thing that we know we're supposed to do. And that's that's one of my pitfalls is going into those areas of anxiety. And so knowing that about myself, it's like, you have to stay on top of it. Mm -hmm. You cannot let yourself go into that anxiety spiral of like, what if? And that's why having those practices that ground us, like the meditation and whatever intentional mindfulness practices we do are so helpful because it helps bring us back to our center and say, where is the clarity? When we remo remove all the noise and the anxiety, where is the clarity? And then those pings can come through like you were talking about. I do think something that people struggle with is knowing how to share on social media in an intuitive way, in their own unique way versus what other people are doing, what other people are telling them to do X, Y, and Z. So how do you help clients with that? Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful question. Um, so when you're tuning into your intuition. So first of all, when you're planning your social media calendar, I think the best hack is to honestly, like I kind of said before, plan 
70% of it. You don't need to plan 100%. You don't need to write down every single thing that you're going to share in your stories. Just get the general outline and fill in the rest with your intuition. I work with a lot of clients who are also neuro neurodivergent. And so having everything planned out feels very restrictive to them because they have such a beautiful, expansive mind that can build all these, these different solutions and think so creatively and work so fast that to have the feeling of being in like a cookie cutter situation or feeling like they're in a box is the worst feeling in the world. So I would just first say that if you're going to add intuition kind of to your quote unquote media mix, <laughs> that's the method I would use is I would leave room for it um, and kind of take the approach of planning 70% and then leaving the rest up to your own inner genius. Now, then the question comes like, what is this inner genius? How do I know what my intuition is saying to me? And so you might have to, you're probably going to feel two different ways. You're probably either going to think um, you have nothing to say and your mind is going to go completely blank. Or you might be on the other end where it's like, well, I have too many messages. My intuition is too loud and I'm bursting. I have too many ideas. They're bursting out of me and I can't figure out how to organize them. Yes. So I would say regardless of where you are, the first step is honestly the same. So regardless of where you are, you're going to do the same thing. And the goal when you listen to your intuition is to empower you to gain clarity in your messaging and then also get give you courage. And you're going to use this courage to speak freely. You're going to use this courage to speak from your heart. And that's where the most powerful messaging is going to come from. And I'm guaranteeing you that the 70% of your messaging that you have that's planned out, that's the structure. That's going to give people an idea of what you offer and what they can expect from you. But this other 30% that's going to come from the heart, that's going to be what drives the real connection. And for that reason, that type of content, honestly, that's what drives the conversion. And that's the secret to a heart-led conversion is what I call it. Um, and it's not from an insidious place. I mean, it's not, you're not sitting here um, like, oh, how can I? how can I make this person love me so they can buy what I have to buy? Like sell that that's not going to work. People are very smart. <laughs> we can detect energy. We know we've all felt that way, right? When we're feeling like we're being emotionally manipulated on the internet to make a purchase. That is not what we're after here. What we're after is to, um, we're after a level of empowerment to where you feel that you can share your heart-led story, your heart-led purpose and that you're able to do that more effortlessly. Hopefully that makes sense. No, it makes so much sense. That that's beautiful. Thank you. And I think that when you are when you incorporate that practice that you just described, it leaves less space for it to come from a place of 
force and ego and desperation because you're coming back to your heart. You're coming yeah. back attention, you're coming back to your center and your intuition is speaking through you and your intuition has wants nothing to do with your ego and your fears and all the other stuff. So that is a key way to, to lead from your heart and to run your business from that place. Yeah. So I have kind of like a four step process. If, if people like methods, um, this is what I would recommend doing. Um, so the first step is connect with your heart. So get quiet schedule out time to kind of block out the noisy stuff, block out whatever's going on in your mind, block out your fears, block out your doubts, and make it kind of a regular practice to sit down, get quiet, listen. And within that practice, you're going to sit down expecting to have clarity. So it might take a few times for me during this time, I like to meditate and I like to write, but I will schedule time, not only in the mornings for myself, I'll schedule it throughout the day. So it just kind of depends on, on what I'm trying to accomplish, but on the days when I'm trying to accomplish a lot of content creation, I'll spend a lot of those days in silence. The second step would be to write down whatever you have received clarity on and do not judge it. So just write it down messily. You're going to come back to it later and adjust it and edit it. But just get those ideas down and write it in whatever way it comes to you. So even it, like I said, even if it doesn't make sense, just write it down. Or some people like to do voice memos. Um, some people like to just get on camera and start recording themselves. But get it down in a way that makes sense to you and works with your own kind of like inner genius. And then after that, you're going to put it on the right channels. So you're actually going to start to build the post. And that's where kind of this natural inclination may feel really comfortable to you. So because writing is my natural inclination, I've created a system where all my heart-led content usually is written. So I'll just get on Instagram and I'll just post like white text on black background and if you see that, you know, it's like, it's coming from my heart. Um, I've also created templates in Canva for myself where I can write. I have a notes app. I have notebooks. So that's kind of the process I figured out for myself. But that piece is going to take a little bit of time for you to know kind of where you're feeling comfortable. And keep going. So after you do that, just kind of like rinse and repeat. And that's that's how you start to get that inspirational feel. Um, you'll get more comfortable as you go, but that's kind of the process I would take in order to have a sustainable practice of building in your intuition and having that heart-like connection as part of your daily, daily media mix. Yeah. And I think a key point that I want to highlight is the silence because I think a lot of us are taking in so much content and that can muffle our intuition. It can muffle our unique creativity and our unique voice. And if we are someone who wants to put out content or who wants to market from that heart-led place, it has to come from our own hearts. And we know it's a pure place when it's when it's our voice and not just the muddy mix of everyone else's voices. 
That's actually a really good point. Cause a lot of times when you're first starting out, you're just kind of mimicking what you see other people doing. I mean, everyone starts out that way. It takes some time to get your own clarity, but that's a really good point that you're making, Rachel. And that's also why this intuition practice is absolutely, I think, a must for anyone who wants to run this sort of channel. Yeah. And I think trying things out and, and seeing what works for you is fine. That's how, how it helps you get clarity. I definitely experienced that. And also part of my human desire is to respond to things so that that is helpful, but it always comes back to your own intuition, your own voice. What is something that you used to feel shame around that you've learned to love about yourself? It has to do with my, my ambition. So, um, I used to feel a lot of shame around my ambitious attitude, my overall ambition, my dreams that I have for myself. Um, and I'm really not someone who's usually satisfied with just like the status quo. I don't really enjoy getting accolades if I'm, I don't really care if I get awards, but the world really does care about that. (laughs) So I would say that my ambition has always been to be as close to my heart led process as possible. Sometimes what I wanted for myself was never, was not necessarily what the world wanted. So I felt like a lot of times I was performing at a very high level and achieving a lot of things. I was working on impressive brands. I was leading media teams, but this is not necessarily the level of success that I wanted to be able to have for myself. I'm so grateful that I had those experiences and I'm so grateful to myself for putting myself in those places because it gave me knowledge that I can now pass on to my current clients. But my ambition was always to work with small businesses. This is where my heart was. My parents growing up, they both owned their own service-based businesses and I was so inspired by them, but also I saw like the stress that it took to run those businesses. And I always thought, well, there has to be a better way. There has to be a way that you can operate in a service-based business and not feel overwhelmed or not feel stressed. And how do we, how do we do that? And, and I love now that I'm able to apply what I've learned from working with like McDonald's or PNG or those, those, those companies that are performing at a very high level. I love that I'm able to take the learnings from how they operate and how they've run their marketing to really help pass on that knowledge to small business owners and also help them make room for their ambitious dreams. So they're not just sitting here performing in the ways that they think they need to perform in order to get clients. So one of the themes that all is always coming up in my work is this idea of ambition. And a lot of my clients have a lot of heart-led ambition and even have multiple businesses that they want to create. I have one woman that I've been working with who has had a successful business for 25 years, and she's at the age when most women would retire, but in our session last week, she said, I have another business that I want to actually start. I'm feeling very called 
to start this new business. And she said, is that okay? Do you think I'm crazy? I said, absolutely not. Follow that ambition. There's a reason why you have it. And so when I talk about ambition, I, I tell my clients not to be afraid from it, not to run from it or not to try to hide it, but also to create what their own success looks like. And I think that was the piece I always had felt shame around was that my definition of success was not what the world thought was successful or not what my industry thought was successful, but I couldn't help but feel that I had this ambition to work in a different way or work with a different type of client. So I think that has been such a healing journey for me to go on. And I love also being able to support other people and achieving what they want. Hearing you talk about it, it in my head, it just sounds like ambition equals intuition. Like our intuition is telling us what we're driven towards, what our heart's in, what we have the energy for. And that's our ambition. And that's actually really smart. <laughs> that was like a moment of clarity for me. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's exact. that's, that's right where my head went is ambition equals intuition because I get this is in human design, but our intuition is showing us where, what we're driven towards and that's ambition. And I think people's ambition gets quiet because they're not putting it towards the right things or it gets fueled on the wrong things. Mm -hmm. And when we're able to bring intuition back into it and trust and bring our heart back into it, really, then our ambition and our intuition can line up. Yeah, because you're not going to feel satisfied if you're achieving something that's not your own dream. Yeah. You will never feel that joy or that satisfaction. And you would you will never feel that you've actually achieved anything. It's like so many, so many people who win like a Grammy or an Academy Award and they say it didn't fulfill me. Mm -hmm. That tells me that likely there's something that they have inside of them that they're not, they're not fulfilling. Absolutely. What is something that you wish we were able to talk about more or that you, you would something that you wish society talked about more? I think it goes back to that unique messaging. So just knowing that we all have a powerful contribution to make to the world. And I love the human connection that is possible when we really like strip away what is expected from us to say and really, again, connect to the heart theme. Yeah. <laughs> the theme for today. Um, but understand our unique brand of creativity. And this is really does what does heal us is once we connect into this create creative nature and realize the possibilities within that, that is the most powerful aspect of humanity. And I think so often we strip this away from our lives and from the roles that we perform and we just turn into these robots. And I think this is what really breeds the deep dysfunction and unhappiness and dissatisfaction in our own lives. And even if we were to keep everything the same, 
if we were to continue our lives on as if they were already, you know, if we change nothing, but if we do connect into our own creativity, this is where we can find so much more joy. And so I wish that we talked more about that as a marker of success and how are we creatively creating intuitively? How, how are we honoring that creative drive within us? I mean, everyone has it. A lot of people will say, well, I'm not creative. That's not true. I bet there's something you can think back to when you were a child that you love doing. Maybe you love drawing. Maybe you made up silly songs. Maybe you love telling jokes. These are all forms of creativity, and we need to start using them as a marker of success, just as we use all other markers that we have in our society. And we need to continue to foster that connection for people so that they can put it on their list of priorities. I feel like that sums it all up. And also is that is the foundation of both of our work is what is your your unique energy drawing you towards? What is your ambition, your intuition, your heart leading you towards? And how can you remain connected to that? And I think when we're younger, we are connected to that. And then we are taught that that's not what we should be focused on. That's not what we should be guided by. And I also wish that from a young age, we were taught, no, that that is, that's your North star. That's your guiding light. And that's how you should lead your life. I wish I, I wish one day, one day, one day. I think it's getting, I think it's getting there. Um, I do think the rise of the creator has helped. I think everyone has realized that they can have a voice Mm -hmm. and I love working with, there's a few production houses, um, that are now tapping into this. There's a few that I love. You can DM me on my channel and I can, I can tell you which ones. I think that this is, this is definitely starting to become more of a marker of happiness and we're realizing we're uncovering that a lot of people are unhappy and this is one of the the ways that we can heal that. So I do think it's starting to become more of a conversation and I think there's more opportunity. But I wish we were talking about it more and I wish it was more institutionalized in our school system just as much as getting straight A's and passing our tests and and all of that. And I know we have art class, but it's not enough. It's not talked about enough because your art class is looked at as a free period. It's not looked at as a vital part of your your happiness quotient. Especially since social media is a core part of our lives now and probably will continue to be so, I think we need to start teaching people how to use it intuitively because more and more people are using it to express themselves, are using it to have this creative outlet, but they're not doing it from that heart centered place. And they don't, because they don't know how to, they don't know how to connect to their intuition around what they want to express and what they want to put out there. And I think if maybe the school should incorporate a class on using social media with intuition. <laughs> that would be amazing. It would be amazing. That would be amazing. How to make a YouTube video based off of your intuitive genius. Yeah. 
you know, you never know. <laughs> okay, so please tell people how they can work with you, what your offerings are, and anything else you want to share. Yes, um, people can work with me through my company. It's called Social Interaction. And they can work with me a few different ways. But I think the best starting point is my brand clarity power sessions. It's a 90 minute session. It's designed specifically to connect you to your intuition. And it is a whiteboard session with me. We sit down together. It's kind of a stream of consciousness experience. And I have a method of questions that I ask and go through in order to unlock kind of this intuitive knowing that you may have about your business and what it's meant to say. And together, what we do is we figure out very clearly who your audience is. And so we create an audience statement. And we also, within the audience statement, understand the unique things that you are healing and the relief that you're providing to your consumers so that then you can start to speak to it very clearly in your business and they can know what to expect from you. We create from that what is called North Star Messaging. And this is that messaging that is not, it's not just like a list of things that you're going to say or a list of attributes. It's the feeling that you want your consumer to have at the end of the, their experience with you. And this is something that you're going to infuse throughout your messaging, throughout your experience with them. But you're also going to utilize it also as a grounding mechanism for yourself. So anytime you are feeling blank, you have that moment where you're scared, you don't know what to say, you might have a moment of blanking. You can always fall back on this North Star messaging and you can do two things. You can make your consumer feel the way you want them to feel, taken care of the way you want them to be taken care of. And then also you can have something very clear to say that they can grab onto. So that's what we do in those sessions. And it's a beautiful starting point. I have developed it from the work that I've done with many of those big companies that I mentioned, but I've also specifically tailored it to a service-based business in order to empower them to work online, to draw in their ideal customers. And then if people want to follow me on Instagram, I think that is the channel that I love the most. It's my name, it's Aaron Tobias. And then my Website is AaronTobias.com. Beautiful. Thank you. And last question. Living intuitively wild means living dedicated to your true authentic self, no matter what. How do you feel like you live intuitively wild? I think it's what we've been talking about, mm -hmm. Rachel. It's following my own heart. Absolutely. It's following my heart and encouraging others to do the same and not hiding the parts of myself that feel awkward or embarrassing and allowing others to do the same and realizing that, you know, Rachel, I don't want to go on another tangent, but you know, oftentimes it's like that content that we post 
that we're so cringe about and we're so scared to post. And maybe we didn't even work that hard on it, but it's like we have to post something that day. And so we do it. That is always the content that does the best. It's true. Without fail. And so it goes back to this learning of just being yourself and connecting on those moments that may feel cringy. We all have them. So there's no point in hiding them. (laughs) So that is, that's my answer. That's how I live intuitively wild. (laughs) I completely agree. I think we all need to embrace our cringe and not be ashamed of what makes us different and weird and all the things because that's, that's what makes us who we are. And it's so clear to me that you you are leading your life with intuition and intention and leading your business from such a heart-centered place. And I'm really grateful for you to, for being here and sharing your story and all your wisdom. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Intuitively Wild, the podcast. I hope it helped deepen your connection to yourself sparked some insights and inspired you to live intuitively wild if you enjoyed this podcast it would mean so much to me if you would share it with others and leave a reading and review and please reach out to me i would love to connect with you i will see you next time for more magic